Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. I've already kind of said good morning because I've already been up here. So morning again. Those of you that are watching online, we're glad that you're with us today. As you go out, uh, you probably saw on... uh, on the table as you walked in, we have some yard signs, we have some door hangers, some invite cards. Uh, we have, as you guys know, if you've been around City Walk, man, Christmas is a, man, we have a lot of fun at Christmas, and kind of the Christmas season culminates on December 23rd when we do our Christmas Eve Eve service. Uh, and so we actually have two services to choose from. They're going to be exactly the same, 5.30 and 7.30. But we want to get the word out. Uh, And so on your way out, pick up some of those things. Uh, This is one of those times of year that, man, it's an easy time to invite somebody to come with you. And so we've tried to provide you with some, uh, just some tools to help you with that. And so you'll see them on your way out uh, at the table. Uh, A couple weeks ago, my wife and I, uh, right after church on Sunday, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, we are, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary, which is actually coming up here in a, in a little bit, but we celebrated it a little bit early, and we decided for our 25th anniversary, since we've spent most of our married life on the East Coast, we said, hey, let's go and just kind of see our state. And so we did. We traveled down uh, the, the st- kind of the, the state, kind of right on the coast, and we spent about five days kind of working our way down the state. And, and man, we, we had a really good time. I grew up in Florida, and so uh, growing up in Florida, I've, I've been to the beach a lot and been near the ocean. But honestly, and you guys that grew up here in California, you already know this, nothing prepared me for some of the things I saw as we were driving down the coast. Uh, the, the, the beaches in Florida and the beaches in California are a lot different. And, and, and as we were driving down the coast, it was, we saw oceans, we saw cliffs, uh, we saw, man, man, a lot of scenery, a lot of animals, and it was almost like every 10 minutes, we're like, all right, pull over, pull over, and we'd get out of our car, and we'd go look at, at the area, and I, I think we have a couple pictures uh, from, from where we were at, and, and these are from my iPhone, so these are not like Glenn Robinson approved pictures, he would have much better pictures than these, but, but we, it was awesome. And as we were going down, there were several times as I'm standing over this cliff and kind of looking down, or I'm standing next to the the, the powerful Pacific Ocean, that there was moments that, man, I felt very, very small. And I was reminded that there is someone bigger, someone way smarter, someone more creative that is at work around me. And as I was standing there and just, there were, there were just moments that my mind kind of expanded and I, man, it was hard to even take it all in because of the beauty, the ruggedness, the peace. I mean, it was all these different feelings 
as I looked at the, the scenery down the coast of California. And maybe you've experienced that on some level. Maybe for you it was the, man, it was that hike you took and it, it brought you to this beautiful waterfall and, and you looked at this waterfall and it was just, it was hard to put into words what you saw. Maybe it was that camp out a few years ago where you remember just camping out at night and looking up at the, the, the black sky at literally millions of stars and it, and it almost took your breath away. Or maybe it was that family vacation where you went and you stood over the Grand Canyon and you looked at the Grand Canyon and, and the scenes and what you were taking in was hard for you to put into words. It was just so big. It was so wonderful. It was so beautiful. It was hard for you to really say even what you were looking at. It was just, just big and you felt so small. And what happens in those moments, and we've all experienced it, for a moment, our thoughts expand. The self-imposed kind of limits that we have on our life kind of fall away. And we're reminded in those moments as we look at those stars or we take in that ocean that there's someone bigger, there's someone more wise, someone much more powerful at work. And one of the beautiful things about those moments, just like the Christmas season, is it points us to God. It points us to a God that is both powerful yet personal. It points us to a God that is big but yet close. It, there's, a, there's a book in the Bible that you've probably heard about it even if you didn't grow up in church. One of the books in the Bible was written by a guy named Matthew. And Matthew, in, in part of his writing, he, he writes about a conversation that an angel had with a young man named Joseph, where he talks about this something bigger is at work scenario and thought. See, Joseph was engaged to a girl named Mary. And Mary had, he had just recently found out that Mary was pregnant, and he knew that the baby was not his. And so in the midst of his confusion, in the midst of his disappointment, the angel said to Joseph in Matthew 1, verse 23, he said this, and we looked at this verse last week. He said, now all this took place. Hey, Joseph, all, all this took place. Mary becoming pregnant. All this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And then he goes on and he says this, he says, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which translated God is with us. Hey, hey Joseph, what's taking place here? It's something much bigger than you could ever imagine. What's taking place here is actually fulfilling what has been talked about hundreds of years earlier. A virgin will conceive, and that virgin will give birth to a son. And his, the son's name, among his other names, one of them will be Emmanuel, which translated means God is with us. And, and I said this last week. This is either really good news to Joseph and to us, or this is really bad news 
And whether this is good news or bad news comes down to one question. And the question that determines whether this is really good news or really bad news is this question, who is God? If God is going to come and be with us, that might be a really good thing or it might be a really bad thing according to who this God is. What is he like? See, we live in a society, and you know this, where specifically in this season, both religious and irreligious people, sometimes without even knowing it, celebrate God coming to earth. We sing and listen to songs that talk about God coming to earth. We go into stores and we hear music that's talking about God coming to earth. We have traditions, even if we don't exactly know what they're for, but some of our traditions that we hold dear point to the fact that God came to earth. We go to plays. We watch our nieces and our nephews dress up like shepherds and wise men, and we watch them celebrate God coming to earth. Whether we're a religious person or not, this is kind of what our society does in this season. And as we lead into Christmas, here's here's something we've been wanting to talk about is this, you know what? People are celebrating this God coming to earth, but some of us don't even really know this God that we're celebrating. And so we've, we've been leaning in over this past week, and as we lead into Christmas, to that one question, who is God? Who is this God that we are celebrating coming to earth and being with us? And we, we want to find out a little bit more about this God and if it's really good or bad that he came to earth. And so we've asked ourselves that question. And last week, the first thing that we looked at as we thought about who this God was is we looked at the fact that God is in control. He's sovereign. He, he never comes to a place in his life where he gets caught off guard. He orchestrates or permits everything that happens in our life. He never gets nervous. He never goes, whoops. He's in control. We looked at that last week. This week, we're, we're going to lean into another area of who this God is. And we're going to lean into this area of the fact that God is limitless. When we were on our little trip a few uh, weeks ago, like I said, we, we come in several times, walked up next to the ocean, and, and if we were to say, you know what, Lori, if I was to say to her, babe, this is, man, such an awesome trip, these scenes are great, we've got some pictures, but you know what, I, I want to take some of the Pacific Ocean home with me to, to remember this. I want to get a jar and, and get some of that water, and we'll just take it home, and it'll be a reminder of our trip and the beauty of this place. If I was to take a, a cup and Lori was to get a little container, we're like, okay, let's go down. It's freezing water, as you know, different from Florida water for sure. And we were to dip our little cup in and cap it up, you know, maybe right Pacific Ocean, so we make sure we know that's not like pea water or something like that when we save it. And we were to take it home. If, if you were behind us and said, you know what, hey, that's a great idea. We want to do the same thing. We wouldn't have had to look at you and say, hey, you're going to have to hold up till it refills. So we just took some water out. Just If you'll give it about five minutes, it'll refill. No. Every single one of us could have walked up there with five cups 
and said, let's fill our five, man, let's get five-gallon buckets. And let's fill our five-gallon buckets, a thousand of us. And we wouldn't have had to look at the next thousand people and say, hey, hold up. It, it needs to be refilled because it wouldn't have moved at all. And, and, and yeah, there's a limit to the Pacific Ocean, but it's a great illustration of something that, man, you can take water out of it. It's limitless. And God, the, the thing that we're looking at this week is the fact that God is limitless. We, we, we use words, and maybe you've heard these words, whether you grew up in church or not, to describe his limitlessness. We use the word omniscient, and that means that he is all-knowing. We use the word omnip- omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. We use the word omnipresent. That means that he is all-present. His presence isn't limited by space or time He's everywhere. When, when my son Austin was a little kid, like a probably preschool age, uh, we had a moment where we felt like we were awful parents. We've had several moments like that in our life. But we had a moment where we're like, wow, we're terrible. And it was, it, there was a, a moment when Austin was a, a little guy, and he, this is what Lori tells me, he was kind of sitting in the back seat, probably in a car seat, it's probably that little. And was, was talking about the fact that God's everywhere. And he said to his mom, hey, is, is God right here? And Lori probably, you know, spiritual Lori that she is, she's probably, oh, my son, you know, he wants to talk theology. This is beautiful. We're such great parents. Is God right here? Yes, Austin, God's right there. <clears throat> like, what? what? What just happened? We were raising a demon child or something. He's not like that anymore, uh, and he doesn't mind me telling little illustrations like that. But, but, but yeah, maybe you've had those, hopefully not that situation, but the, these ideas, man, God's everywhere. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. It's hard to, hard to even comprehend, but it's the fact that he is limitless. And all throughout Scripture, there are stories that talk about how God is limitless, and maybe one of the best illustrations of it we find in the book of Exodus, and when it, there's this guy by the name of Moses that you may have heard of, and some of Moses' story talks to us about how God is, and it's a great illustration of his limitlessness. It, it, to give you a little bit of background, the Jews at this point in history, they have been slaves of the Egyptians for about 400 years. I mean, being limited was just a way of life for the Jewish people. They, they served this godless ruler by the name of Pharaoh, who honestly could have cared less about them and used them for his benefit. He was such an evil guy that he, he wanted to make sure that this Jewish nation never got more powerful than his nation. And so there was a time where he decreed that all the, the little boys, all the baby boys should be killed in the Jewish nation. And so there was a family that was having a little boy, Moses and his parents, that decided, hey, we don't want to have, see our son get killed, and so we're going to hide him. And they did. And through a, a bunch of mirac- really just miraculous things that happened, Moses was saved. And in fact, he was not only saved, but he ended up growing up in the palace with this pharaoh. He grew up as the Pharaoh's daughter's son. 
just, just a miraculous story. We don't have time to talk about it. But for the first 40 years of his life, this Moses that should have been killed as a baby grew up in the Pharaoh's home as his grandson. At the age of 40, Moses was out and he saw an Egyptian hurting a Jewish slave. And it bothered him because he was a Jew. And so he, man, quickly he found out that, that what was happening and he went to stop the Egyptian and he killed him. And because he killed him, now he was in trouble with Pharaoh. He had to run for his life. And so Moses, at the age of 40, literally runs to the desert and spends the next 40 years of his life on the backside of the desert as a shepherd. And at the age of 80, he's probably thinking, man, this is just the way life's going to continue to be. I mean, he's literally now been a shepherd for 40 years. He's married, has kids. And then all of a sudden, at the age of 80, God speaks to him. He's literally out in the desert taking care of sheep. And God comes to him and says this. It says this in verse 7 of Exodus chapter 3. It says, Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings. And I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God comes to Moses. He says, man, I've seen what's going on. I've heard. I care. And I'm going to do what the Jews are unable to do. I'm going to stop this powerful Egyptian army. I'm going to stop this powerful Egyptian Pharaoh who the Jews can't get away from. This Pharaoh and this Egyptian nation has a limited power, but I am an unlimited God and I'm going to rescue them. And so God goes on. And again, Moses is 80 years old. He, he probably doesn't talk to anybody but sheep most of the day. And he's literally interacting with God. And God goes on and, and tells Moses a little bit more about what he's going to do. He says this, So because the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So Moses is probably, at this point, he's, he's probably like nodding, like, yeah, this, yes, this is good. Yes, God, thank you, man. Get him. Go, go get him, God. And he's probably agreeing and excited about the plan. But then God says this in verse 10. He says, therefore, go. I'm sending you. What? To Pharaoh. So that you may leave the people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses, his response, what? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? You obviously have the wrong guy, God. Have you seen what I've been doing the last 40 years? Do you realize how I had to leave Egypt? You realize I'm, I'm a wanted man there. I am not skilled. I don't have what it takes. You've got the wrong guy. And then Moses, he's, you know, he's just, he's like a middle schooler trying to make excuses to get off. Like, so he's like, what, what can I say to kind of get out of this thing? And he said, so, okay, God, so say I go to this, the Jews, say I walk into the Jews and I say, hey, guess what? God sent me to rescue you. 
What if they ask me what your name is? Like, like, what am I supposed to tell them there, God? What if that comes up? And God says this. He says, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you, sent me to you. I am self-existent. I am all-powerful. I am all-knowing. I am all-present. I am without limits. And after kind of reminding Moses who he was talking to and the, the limitlessness of this God, he tells Moses kind of how things are going to play out. He says, Moses, you're going to go? Let me kind of walk you through how this thing's going to play out. Verse 19, he says this, however, I know that the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, he's not going to allow you to go, even under force from a strong hand. Basically, he's saying, you know, when you get there, even when you tell Pharaoh that God sent you, he's not going to be a big fan of your plan. And he's not going to be like all excited about sending you away with his entire workforce. It's not going to go well at first, Moses. Just go ahead and expect that. And then verse 20, it says this, But when I stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles that I will perform in it, after that, he's going to let you go. He goes on and he says, And I will give these people such favor with the Egyptians that when they do go, you're not going to go empty-handed. So you will plunder the Egyptians. Not only will Pharaoh let you go, but you will, when you go, you're going to take a bunch of the Egyptian riches with you. That's how it's going to play out, Moses. And exactly what God said happened. Pharaoh said no. And as a result, God sent several devastating plagues onto the nation of Egypt. Like it was a rough time to live in Egypt. He sent frogs, he sent lice, he sent hail, he killed the firstborn son of every family in Egypt, he sent darkness, he sent boy, I mean, he sent these plagues on the Egyptian nation to the point where at the end of this last plague, when the firstborn son of every Egyptian family didn't wake up one morning, Pharaoh comes to him and says, get out of here. Get, get out of here. And, and he freed the nation. And just as God had said, they left Egypt free and well provided for. People, their neighbors were just like, hey, do you want some gold on your way out? Can I give you some silver? And they plundered the Egyptians. So just imagine. Imagine you're a Jewish person. And every story you've ever been told has been in the context of slavery. Your grandpa was a slave. His grandpa was a slave. His grand I mean, for 400 years, you've been limited. You've been under the thumb of the Egyptian nation. And now, somebody comes to you and says, get your stuff, we're leaving. Imagine what that must have been like. It's like, is this too good to be true? Like, what is leaving? What does freedom even feel like? And so they leave. They take all the 
the, the riches of Egypt with them. And they kind of get on the journey a little bit. But after a, a few days, Pharaoh kind of comes to his senses. And he realizes that his free labor, all of it, is gone. All the people that have for the last several centuries literally been building his country are gone. And so he, he, he goes after them. It says this in verse chapter 14. Verse 5, it says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, what have we done? We have released Israel from serving us. So he got his chariot ready and he took his troops with him. Verse 10, it says this, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians coming after them. The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help because here's the scenario. In front of them is a huge body of water known as the Red Sea. Behind them is an army that's charging to come get them. And so they're in this scenario where they're, they're, they're terrified. It says this in verse 11. So they said to Moses, is it because there are, there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? See, they saw things through their limited perspective. They saw things through the perspective of their limitations. And because of that, they had two options in their mind. We're going to die? Or they're going to take us back and we're going to be slaves again? Because even though they had literally watched God devastate the Egyptian nation and allow them to leave after 400 years, they had already begun to take this powerful, limitless God and put him back in their box and put him in their limitations so that they come to Moses just scared to death saying, man, what why'd you even bring us out here? And then... It says this in verse 13. Moses, it says, but Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm. What do you mean stand firm, Moses? Like, we don't have any answers. We don't have any way out. What, what do you mean? And he says this, stand firm and see the Lord's salvation or the Lord's rescue that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you must be quiet. That word could mean calm. Not because you have a great ability, nation of Israel, not because you have great wisdom, not because the odds aren't against you, those aren't the reasons that you need to be calm and stand firm and be quiet in your spirit. The reason that you can be calm and stand firm is because you serve a God who is without limit. And you can be calm in the midst of a scenario you don't have an answer for because your God isn't limited the way you're limited. You serve a limitless God. Says this in verse 21. Then Moses, he stretched out his hand over the sea. 
the Lord drove back the sea, the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on not even muddy. It wasn't even wet on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and on their left. See, as they walked, I mean, just, I mean, this is another, like, can I, like, when I get to heaven, can I get, like, the the video of this or something? I want to see what this looked like. I want to know what it felt like to walk through the middle of a huge body of water and and walk on dry land and and have water on both sides of me. Like, I, I, as a little kid, I always thought, like, could I just, like, put my hand in the water and, like, grab a fish out? Or what what was that like? And, I mean, it obviously was amazing. And as they walked through, they walked through, not on muddy ground, not, they weren't slipping on dry ground. It was as if God was reminding them, your obstacles, they're not my obstacles. Your limitations don't limit me. I am all powerful. I am unstoppable. I am without limits. And once they got to the other side and everybody was safe, it was as if God said, those Egyptians, they scare you. They limit you. Watch this. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea And at daybreak, the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. God says, I'm not afraid of what you're afraid of. What's an obstacle to you? It's not an obstacle to me. What you're limited by, I'm not limited by. And God showed it in miraculous ways. Whether you grew up in the church or not, maybe you're watching online, you you may have watched a movie about this. You you may have seen a a video. You may have heard somebody tell the story in history class about the, the... the Egyptians and, and the Israelites and, and freedom. But as you examine this story and you, you kind of look into it maybe from a different angle, you realize that this story is, never, is not really about the Jews and it's not really about Moses. This is a story about God. Yeah, yeah, the, the characters in the story, the, the people that it happened to were Moses and the, the Israelites. But this is not a story about the Israelites. This is not a story about Moses. This is a story about an all-powerful God. About a God that is all-knowing, is all-present, is limitless. And, and, and if this is the God, the same God, that parted that Red Sea, that killed those Egyptians, that freed a nation that was, had been slaves for 400 years. If this is the God that we celebrate coming to earth, 
it should lead us to maybe a simple and, and pretty personal question. And here's the question that it should lead us to. Simply this. Do you live as if God is limited? It's a personal question. Maybe you're watching online. You're here this morning. If this is the God that the angel told, jo- told Joseph, hey, this God is going to be with you. Emmanuel, God with us. If this is the God he was talking about, the question is this. Do we live as if our God is limited? Let, let, let me be more specific, maybe a little bit more practical. Do you live as if his grace is limitless? That this God that we serve? Maybe you're here or you're watching online and, and you've had this thought. You know what? I kind of want a relationship with God. I kind of want to lean into this whole thing. But you know what? You don't know about my past. You don't know about what I did. You don't know about what I was a part of. You don't know my story. Yeah, and I I get it. God loves everybody and and he has room for everybody. but, But not me. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've thought. You don't know how I've treated people. You don't know some of the things that I've done. And so maybe you never said it this way, but in your mind you have taken God's grace and you've kind of limited it. Like, yeah, it's it's grace for most people, but not for me. I'm too far. Do you live as if his grace is limitless? Another question, do you pray as if his power is limitless? I mean, as you pray through the things you pray for, do you even need God? God? Like, like the, the things that you pray for on a regular basis, do you even need God's help in these things? Are they just so small and so routine? Or, or are there things that you're praying for that, that honestly, if, if, if something happens, only God's going to get the glory because it's going to take a big God moment. For some of us, we, maybe we feel like we've gotten the rug pulled out from under us a few times, and so we hedge our prayers And again, we wouldn't say it this way, but we've kind of limited how we pray. And and we we don't pray for that person anymore. We've kind of given up on them. We don't pray for the, that scenario or that relationship or that that what's going on in that situation. We've kind of just given up. Do we pray as if his power is limitless? What about this question? Do we give? As if his resources are limitless. Have we come to a spot in our life where we say, you know what? I'm going to handle my finances, God, your way. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be generous because I understand that everything I have is from you and for you. For for me and Lori, kind of in our life over the last 25 years, We have never regretted being generous and trusting God with our finances. But we have regretted when we've done things our way. And we've done both. We've had seasons where we did it our way, where we thought we knew more than God. And we've had times where we've trusted God and we've handled our finances in a way that pleased Him. And we stewarded things well. We've never regretted that. But we've regretted every time when we have done it our way. Let me throw one more. 
Do you share the good news as if his salvation is limitless? I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, we have the cure to the most devastating thing in the history of the world, sin. Sin destroys life and it ends in hell. Yet for some reason, we don't tell people about it. We don't tell people about hope. We don't tell people about Jesus. We don't tell people about heaven. We act as if the salvation, the rescue that Jesus brought is just limited to a few people. And yet it's the, the cure for the most devastating thing, issue in the history of the world. Do, do we share the good news as if his salvation is limitless? See, there's this, there's this false narrative, and maybe you've believed it, that if you, if you ever kind of go all in for Jesus, if you ever really live the life of a Jesus follower, that you will live a limited life. And maybe you would never say that out loud, but, but in your kind of, as you, the people you hang out with and some of the thoughts you have, there, there's some people that maybe you, you felt that, man, that, that you felt that living the life of a Jesus follower was limiting. And if someone ever told you that, they lied to you or you misunderstood what they were saying. Because when I do things my way, in my own power, with, for my own selfish benefit, I have a limited life. This past week, when Lori and I, when we were traveling a little bit, we, one of the people we enjoy listening to is we enjoy listening to Frank Sinatra. And he's great, obviously. And a lot of songs, very popular, obviously. Not, not alive anymore, but, but his music is still very much alive. And, and one of his most popular songs, and you've heard it whether you like his music or not, is the song, My Way. And it, you may even... Start to hear it in your head as you think about that song. And it's a song that his, is one of his most popular songs. And it kind of highlights the fact that Frank lived his life his way. And when Lori and I, when we were talking about this song, we, we were talking about how this song is actually a pretty sad song. And, and, and I hear it, I hear it once in a while, I hear it played at a funeral and it's a People play it at a funeral as a way to kind of compliment the person that's passed away. But when I hear it at a funeral, it's tragic to me. It's so tragic to me. It's heartbreaking. See, if the people that love me the most choose that song to play at my funeral, then I have failed. And here's why. My way is selfish. My way is sinful. My way is insecure, afraid, manipulative. Ultimately, my way is severely limited. But God, His way is limitless. And He invites you to believe and follow Him. See, we can live as if God is in a box, or we can live as if He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. Both ways of living, they produce results. 
And the question is, which results do we want? Do we want to live a life that puts God in a box and we walk through life afraid and kind of hedging our bets like, am I all in with God or do I need to put some chips on some other things? Or we can live a life where we say, you know what? All my chips are on Jesus. He's a limitless. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. And I want that in my life. I want that kind of power in my life. I want that kind of power in how I father. I want that kind of power in how I shepherd. I want that kind of power in how I am as a husband. I want that kind of power in what I believe. Or we can hedge our bets. We can do it our way. And then maybe one day at your funeral... Somebody will play Frank Sinatra's song and they won't even know it's not a compliment because our way is devastating. Our way is limited. His way, no limits. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we close together, Maybe you're here, you're maybe watching online, and you're a follower of Jesus. And maybe you found yourself kind of living from your own power. Maybe you've kind of found yourself living as if God is in a box. Here's my question for you. If you were to live as if God had no limits, who would you start praying for that you've given up on? What would you attempt for God that you're afraid to attempt today if you really lived as if God was limitless? With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is just time between you and God. Maybe in this moment, you just want to, between you and God, say, God, man, I have. I have put you in a box. I have put you under my limits. And God... I want to go all in with you. I want to live and believe that my God is limitless and I want to live a life of faith. I want to pray for people that are far gone. I want to do things and step out in ways where God, if if you don't show up, the whole thing fails. I don't want to live a limited life. Maybe you're here, you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with God. What you need to know and what the reason that God came to earth this season is he loves you deeply. He went to great lengths to show you that. He went to great lengths by sending his son to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin. His son, after he died on that cross, was put into a grave and three days later he rose from the grave. And God invites you into a relationship with him, not because of what you've done, but because of what his son Jesus did. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you would say, Chris, man, I want to start a relationship with God. I have been living a life that is limited and I want to have a relationship with a God who is limitless. If that's you, just in the quietness of your heart, wherever you're at, wherever you're watching this, just tell God that. Just tell God in this moment, God, I admit to you I've done things my way. 
I have sinned. I have disobeyed you. Tell him. Then just tell him, God, I believe that Jesus, your son, died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. And then just tell him, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Transform me. I want to live your way, not my way. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you prayed and you made that decision today, we'd love to know about it. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a little decision card that you can fill out and it'll just let us know that you made a decision. If you're here with us this morning, you can look right in front of you. There's a decision card that you can fill out and drop in the offering basket or take to the next steps table. And again, we just want to rejoice with you on the decision you made to start a relationship with God. God, I thank you that we can live and serve a God that doesn't have the limits we have. I pray as we continue on in this Christmas season that we will be salt and light in our community and that we will be about bringing hope because we have a God who is a God of hope, a God who doesn't have limits, a God who has the answer. God, help us to be faithful to represent you well. In Jesus' name, amen.